Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. It may cost more today, but in the long run, when you're not paying assisted living and long-term medical care and all these other things, it, it will cost less. My guest today is Lisa McKenzie. Lisa's a corporate sales and marketing executive turned entrepreneur, a single mom of two children, who became a business leader in her industry with a team of more than 1,000 people in her companies. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? Very well, Raphael. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, my pleasure to have you. It's, it's amazing that we have an opportunity, right, to communicate, to help other people. And this is why I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, wonderful. That's my passion. It is, right? As a coach, you help people understand in a way because you've been doing corporate marketing, sales, and all that kind of stuff, right? How do you bring that to your clients? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have always looked at my entire career as just being a progression. Mm. And um, the progression has really centered around what I call a set of core competencies or core skills. So back when I was working corporately in sales and marketing, my role was really to help people find solutions. We talked about what their pain points were, what their problems were, what was troubling them. Um, I helped them arrive at solutions. So rather than just saying, oh, you should do this or you should do that, we would talk through alternatives and determine the best solution for them. And then I would help them achieve it. Um, So throughout my career, I view everything I've done as just continuing down that path. And I think it's, a again, a core competency, a skill to understand how to ask people questions, mm. to understand how to listen to them right. so that they really get out, you know, what their ultimate problem is, to be able to create ideas and solutions for them to help them choose what's best for them. And once you learn how to do that and do it well, it doesn't matter if you're trying to help people figure out how to sell more boxes of Frosted Flakes, which is what I did in my corporate career, or how to eliminate all the toxins from their home. Um, And it's been a progression throughout my career to to do that with people in a variety of different ways. So once you have that skill, you can apply it to any vehicle that you're working within. Nice. And it's great that you see your life as a progression, right? Because I see it the same way. Yeah. And so that's why I love to know more about your upbringing, your childhood, because that progression is made you choose. It made you choose your career, right? Yes. It made you choose the path that you went on. And yeah, every, all the choices we make stems from who influenced us, our environment, our upbringing. Take us to Lisa, little girl running around. Yeah. Climbing up trees or whatnot. Tell us about that. I was I was very fortunate in that um, my dad was in the Air Force mm. and he actually married my mom, who he met in when he was stationed in Scotland, in Edinburgh. So my mother is Scottish mm. and my dad is American, but um, I was born at Andrews Air Force Base near Washington, D.C. And 
The first um, several years of my life, in fact, until I was about 12 years old, we literally lived all over the world. And um, we moved, I think the longest we lived anywhere was about two and a half years. Um, So we moved quite frequently. And so my life was um, a lot of change. And, you know, a lot of people say that they struggled with that. But I actually I think it, as you said, has made me who I am because it exposed me to lots of different cultures, Mm -hmm. lots of different types of people. It caused me to have to be adaptable, which we were just chatting about a moment ago, um, to be able to adapt to change, to embrace new people, new things. Um, And the other thing that happened when I was a young child was every summer, because my grandmother lived in England, um, my mother, the day after we got out of school here in the U.S., my mother would put us on a plane and we would travel to England and spend summers living at my grandmother's sheep farm in Scotland. And um, so, again, I was super fortunate to be exposed to sort of that kind of lifestyle and, you know, and travel quite a bit with my uncle who was a concert pianist. So traveling all over Europe with him. And I just feel that, you know, those first 12 to 15 years of my life, um, exposing me to lots of different parts of the world, people in the world made me who I am today because I thrive on adventure. I love new experiences. I love meeting new people. And again, my career progression has been Exactly that, seeking out who are the people that are looking for help? Who can I help? Um, How can I, you know, kind of go from one thing to the other? And, you know, a lot of times people see people who change careers and they think that maybe they're not successful at their first career, when in fact, for most people, myself included, it's that you have achieved what you set out to do in one realm. And so you move on and expand yourself. And I have just looked at what I've done as constantly expanding and constantly growing. And that's a reflection of my childhood. It was constant growth, expansion and change. So um, I feel so fortunate that I was able to grow up living that way. Wow. I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Because think about it. You not only were you born in an Air Force base, right? Was it Air Force? Air Force, right? It was, yeah. Air Force, yeah. Wow. So you were already on your way. You were flying. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, you had the opportunity to travel all over the world and meet new people and different environments and cultures, I'm sure. And the fact that you went to live in a sheep farm. Holy. <laughs> that's got that had to be so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> but then you actually had to learn different languages, right? What languages yes. did you speak or do you speak? Um, so I don't. I wouldn't say I speak any other languages completely fluently, like you couldn't just throw me in, but I was exposed to growing up French, Spanish, German, and Italian. And I've traveled quite a bit in those countries. I speak French fairly well because I did spend a semester living there when I was in undergrad school. Mm. Um, And the other languages, I would say I have pretty rudimentary communication skills. So I can get by to get back to my accommodation find a bathroom and order a glass of wine in any of those languages, which is real important. But I I do believe, Rafael, I really believe that when we travel to other places, whether it's another country, another continent, even another state, that it's important to try to communicate with people in the way that they communicate. So even if you don't speak a language, I think if you can try to pick up a few, again, very basic skills and attempt to communicate with people in their language, they're very appreciative of it. Other than the French who just get mad because you're bad at their language. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you can order wine. (laughs) Correct. Yes. Priorities. (laughs) As a single mom, and and that's what I read on your bio, you have two children. A lot of people, when they find themselves being a single mom or something like that, they kind of pull back, right? But not you. You went forward. Talk to us about that experience, if you don't mind, because we do have a lot of single moms all over the world. Yeah. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize that there's also single dads. Yes. And yes. people only see single moms, but they don't see single dads because there are a lot of dads who maybe we don't know how, but they're raising the kids on their own without right. another parent. So it's that yeah. the parenting skills that we have to bring forth and still have a career. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's let's frame this for the single parents that mm-hmm. are listening, not just the single moms, because we don't want to exclude the single dads because they're pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. also. Um, and I guess I would say that that is probably my primary identity throughout my life. And when um, I was in that role, I went all out for it. Mm. I went as all out for that as if I was a little league baseball player trying to make it to the major leagues. Um, I went completely all out because it was so important to me. I felt like it was an honor to be given the gift of children. And it was an honor to be chosen to raise the two children that I have. And so I took it real seriously. Um, My children's father and I separated when they were quite young. They were two and five years old and we had a pretty bitter and difficult divorce. And then he passed away when my children were almost eight and almost 11. But in those years in between, he, um, because of our very bitter divorce, he was not very involved. And so I really, truly was all on my own. And, you know, I just really felt that that I wanted to be there for my children in every way, shape and form. And the thing that I like to share with single parents, anyone who's raising their children on their own, especially if they don't have a co-parenting situation is to really trust yourself. Because I think one of the things that we do is we beat ourselves up. We second guess our decisions. We're never sure if we're doing enough. Um, We think we made the wrong choice and we just have to let all of that go. Mm -hmm. Trust that if we love our children and do the best we can for them, then everything's going to be right. Um, Everything's going to work out just right. And uh, so part of the reason that I stayed working as an entrepreneur when I became a single mom, I've never gone back to any kind of corporate job since. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it's so freeing, right? Yeah, but it's because I wanted the flexibility to be there for my children, and it, it that was a priority for me. So any um, work that I did was around being able to be in their classrooms to volunteer or go on a field trip. Or I was fortunate we lived in a neighborhood. Our elementary school was in the neighborhood, so we walked or rode bikes or scooters to school. Nice. And I was there at two thirty when school got out to walk them home and you know, make the snacks. I always prided myself on the fact that my house was the one where all the kids liked to come. Um, So, you know, we would have just masses of kids every day and, you know, it was, it was a pretty great thing, but I, again, I think that my number one suggestion for single parents is to trust your instincts. Our inner voices are out for our best interest. They don't care about anyone else. They care about us. So listen to your inner voice, listen to your instincts and, and go with that and just show your children that you love them more than anything, no matter what happens. And I think that's the best way to go about it. It's funny because now when people ask if I have children, I I do, but my children are really no longer children. They've just become these pretty amazing people because now they're adults. They're 19 and 22 years old, and um, but they just have become amazing people. And I'm honored to have, again, been given the gift to parent them throughout this time. Right. As a guide, right, if you think of it, because they still make their own choices, right? Yeah. And and in truth, they always have. Right. Our our two year olds make their own choices. Our seven year olds make their own choices. Our 15 year olds make their own choices. And so as parents, whether we're single parents or coupled parents or co-parents or whatever we are, it's our decision to decide how to respond to those choices, to help teach our children. Was this a good choice or a bad choice? And What are our alternate choices? So, so I think that's all, you know, comes down to shaping. Um, We cannot make anyone, including our children, do anything that they aren't going to do. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) So how did you get into the health and wellness industry? What, because you were doing marketing and sales and all that. So yeah, what, what was that trigger? What was that moment? Or had you been in it all along? And you said, this is the path I want to go into because you are, you do run a, a health and wellness company, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, even when I was working corporately, I enjoyed health and wellness. It was really important to me to work out and eat well and that sort of thing. So it was just kind of a lifestyle for me. When my daughter was born, the corporate job that I had 
uh, and it entailed traveling five days a week. I was VP of sales and marketing for a company. And I, that's what I did. I got on a plane on Mondays and came home on Fridays. Once my daughter was born, I realized that wouldn't work so well. Um, and so I approached the company that I was working with and basically asked to scale my job back and take on a job where I would be within the regional office. And not only did they not like that suggestion, they decided that it meant that I wasn't committed to my job and to the company and they terminated me. I won't even get into all that because, of course, you can't really do that. But we got all that worked out. So I was, again, very, very fortunate that I was able to be at home with my daughter from the time that she was born. Mm. Um, However, about eight, 10 weeks into her life, I really found myself itching and craving that professional fulfillment. Um, You know, when you have worked corporately at the level that I did, it doesn't just go away. And I wanted to add something on, but I also wanted to be there with my daughter. And so I actually started a company. I lived in Chicago at the time. I started a company that was a health and wellness company. And what I created was an exercise program for new moms to come with their babies in strollers. And we would meet at several different locations throughout the city of Chicago. And we would do an exercise class. And it entailed pushing the stroller while you were either running or walking, Uh pausing at different stations to do resistance exercises using bands um, and, um, and getting a workout in. And the reason for this was twofold. One, I wanted to do something that I built and created. I wanted my daughter to be a part of it. I didn't want to be leaving her in daycare while I went to work. I wanted to create something for other women like me who were in the same situation where maybe they couldn't go back to work or they didn't have a job after their babies were born and they wanted to get out of the house and do something, meet other like-minded women. Um, So it was back to helping people, Mm. understanding what their problems were and providing a solution. And I had so much fun with that company. Um, Within about two years, we had been featured on all of the major news channels in the Chicagoland area because it's quite a spectacle to see, you know, 12 (laughs) 20 women running through the Lincoln Park Zoo, pushing their babies and then stopping and doing squats or whatever. Um, so so we, we were featured on a lot of news programs. We actually grew our program. I started with two locations and we grew our program to have 12 locations and almost 600 members over two years. And, um, and it was pretty exciting. So it played into two of my passions, one, helping people and two, creating and building. And that was my first health and wellness company. And um, ever since then, I've always been in that realm in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've done a few other things in between, but that's been been the primary way I've gone about. And now what I've shifted into is really to helping people um, create a toxin-free environment for their bodies. So it's all about what we put into our bodies, what we put on our bodies, and what we surround our bodies with in our environment. Um, So I don't do as much of the exercise related, although I encourage people to do that, but it's more about kind of the other ways we can really improve our health and our wellness. So what did happen with your stroller? Because we have, we had, we probably still do. They contacted me. I have a martial arts and fitness center and stroller moms, that was their name. They contacted me. Okay. And they wanted to come and do a kickboxing class every so often. Oh, wow. And they wanted okay. to bring their strollers and, and have the babies in the room while they were doing kickboxing. What happened? <laughs> maybe maybe it's, maybe it's they started it once they saw you guys. Yeah, it what, could be. It, what happened to that company? Yeah. So um, I started my company in 1999 mm-hmm. in Chicago. It was called Walk-A-Bye Baby mm-hmm. Fitness. Um, So if anyone was in Chicago around that time, maybe you heard or saw this. So I had the company for about three years. And then when I got pregnant with my son, I made the decision that we wanted to move back to North Carolina, where I live now. I wanted my children to grow up living closer to their grandparents. And so I actually sold the company to a club in Chicago, a club called the East Bank Club. They bought it out from me. And um, and to this day, when I visit Chicago, my daughter went to college in Chicago. To this day, when I visit Chicago, I see classes of women running around. I'm not sure if it is my program that's carried on all these years, but I like that I I started an initiative um, that, you know, did something like that. So, yeah, it's it's amazing that you did something like that because there was a need and there was it it, it was an attractive thing to think about. Yeah, because, yes, you can work out and bring your baby with. Yes. Yes. I love the concept. 
And when they contacted me, I was like, yeah, come on down. I'd be more than happy to help you guys out. Yeah. And they would go, but yeah. we're not coming every day. I'm like, whenever you want. Yeah. And they would, because I have a big enough space. They would come, they would do their kickboxing and the babies would be right there. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll do a couple of kicks and they'll move the carriage. And it was great. It was yeah. so much fun for them. And yeah. you know, it was it was nice because if you think about it, fitness is the most important thing. And a lot of people will use excuses like, oh, I have a baby. I don't have time. Right. Yes. Right. Meanwhile, the baby's on wheels, baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That baby can move. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and I do understand there. I did not want to take my child to a, a gym's daycare. That Correct. just wasn't. For whatever reason, that didn't work for me. And so I understand that, you know, some people don't want to do that. But one one thing that I think is really important about fitness, especially for women in that situation, Rafael, is that postpartum depression is a very, very, very real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, our identities shift completely. Our bodies have been through significant trauma giving birth. And so there's a lot that, you know, really affects women. And so for them to have that outlet, whether it be just the exercise itself and build the endorphins, um, as well as being in a group setting of other women that are going through the same thing is what is truly game changing for people in that situation. So I think it's very, very important to serve that population. Yeah. You know, I, I believe all women are like superheroes to me. Yeah. You are all wearing capes. I see it everywhere I go. All you ladies have capes because to give birth and, and for your body to go through this transformation, it's it's unique, it's special, it's beautiful. And yeah, I'm envious. Well, <laughs> if you. I could do it, I would I, do it. <laughs> I feel that we're very gifted, although it is a superpower. I know when, you know, if there's ever a man trying to act like he's better than me, I just whip out, well, I can make a human. How about you? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> to be honest with you, if I could, I would. Right? Yes. Yeah. But I don't know how many men feel that way, but I would for sure. Yeah. Because kids yeah. are a gift, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and like you said earlier, you were given two gifts and you were obviously a great guide because your kids are, are beautiful. They're grown up and, and they're doing things of their own. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you could have continued that when you moved to North Carolina, right? Yes. And you decided I'm going to continue in the fitness industry, but now I'm going to change people's perspective about mm -hmm. their health and their wellness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that it's a lifestyle, right? That we, yeah. we have a choice. We have a sit on the couch, watch TV and eat potato chips lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Or we have a movement lifestyle mm -hmm. and I'm all about movement. Yeah. Right. Every day I post videos up on movement every day. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, movement is everything because if you eat, you need to move. Right? Mm -hmm. Talk to us about how you help other people understand the importance of, of that type of lifestyle. Yeah, it, understanding is the key word here because a lot of people simply don't understand um, how these things play into their lives and making it a lifestyle choice is the most important thing about it. We hear about all of these diets and plans that, you know, people go on. And I think the unfortunate and difficult thing about this is rarely are they things that people can sustain long term. And so changing a lifestyle, you know, it's, it's just not at all feasible to go the rest of your life without eating a carbohydrate. Uh, yeah. It's not. <laughs> so so that's not a lifestyle. Right. Um, it's just not feasible to go the rest of your life not eating for 12 hours a day. That's you know, it's just not it, these things aren't these things are quick fixes that people have a result from, but it doesn't change overall. And so I really like to talk to people about changing their health and their entire lifestyle, not just losing weight. Mm -hmm. So, yes, maybe you want to transform your body. Losing weight is part of it. Building lean muscle is part of it. Um, making your heart more healthy is part of it. Developing better sleep habits is part of it. Making sure you're not ingesting toxic fumes in your home is part of it. So it becomes a, a big thing. And, and again, uh, most of what I do is just talking to people. It's understanding what are they doing now? How are they living? How are they making their choices? If their entire life has been spent on a couch watching TV, we can't encourage them to go run a marathon in the next six months. So how can we give them 
baby step solutions that fit into their lives for the people that are very busy that don't have childcare options. What can they do to fit things into their lives? And again, it all comes back to kind of the beginning of our conversation. Let me understand what's at the root of people's problems. Let me talk to them about what options are available to them. And then we create a solution that works best for them. And it really is easy to do movement. You know, even if you, I get up from my desk every 90 minutes and go take a little walk outside. But if you don't have an outside, maybe you can go walk up and down the stairs in your building or, you know, walk all the way down the hall and all the way back. There's a lot of ways to factor movement into our days and our lifestyles for people. I, I love the fact of sustainability, right? Because we need something in our lives that is going to be sustainable. Yes. Something that it's not going to go away in six months or nine months or after the wedding I'm planning for, or, you know, the school reunion or something like that. Yeah. We shouldn't be living our lives for an event in the future. Our lives should be an event every day, right? Right. And understanding that, that you know, what we eat will make a difference. Mm-hmm. but also what we do with our body will make a difference as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I love yeah. the fact that you're doing that and you're helping people understand that because mm-hmm. it's important. The question I ask anyone who comes to me who wants to lose weight or anything is like, well, how much do you weigh now? Like how, how much over do you weigh? What's your ideal goal weight? I said, okay, right. let's say they say 30 pounds. I said, okay, if you don't start a program today, how much do you want to weigh more in two years, a year from now? Do you want to be 40 pounds over or do you want to be 50? Yeah. And they're like, no, I don't want to be 50. I'm like, well, then you need to start now. Yeah. And a lot of people have this misconception that, oh, you know, my friend lost 30 pounds or in like six months or three months. And I'm like, you know, everyone is different. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times they are on a diet. And they may lose that weight immediately, but it's not sustainable Yes, because they're going to not only gain that weight back, but they're going to gain more than it. Right. And so it's not a sustainable lifestyle. And so that's what you're doing for people. And I love that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Raphael. I think that's an excellent point that you make, too, about the progression, because we didn't gain the 30 pounds by having good habits. And so unless you break and change those habits, that gain is going to continue to go up. So I think it is, I think your point about, you know, now's the time to stop and and put an end to it and change habits is really, really key. I was chatting with someone um, just the other day who told me that they wanted to start the 75 hard program. I'm sure you're, you are aware of it. Your listeners may or may not be aware of the 75 hard program, which is, Um, It really is about changing a lot of habits in your life. But what this person said to me was interesting. She said, um, oh, I'm going to do the 75 hard program because I think I understand that that's going to help me change my habits. But I'm going to Mexico the first week of February, and I know I'm going to be drinking on my vacation in Mexico. So since I would have to restart it, I'm just not going to bother to start it. Um, And I said to her, I said, why not go ahead and start it? You know, by the time you get to Mexico, you one, you may not want to have a drink of alcohol. Or two, go ahead and have your drinks of alcohol and then start over when you get back. Like, So I think your point in talking to people about when you are realizing that it's time to make a change, that's the time to make a change. It's not a good idea to say, oh, I'm, it's time to make a change, but the time's in three weeks. The time's not quite yet today. Um, once we commit mentally that we need to do something differently in our lives, that's the time to take action on it. I have people who come to me, but they're not ready to make a change. Yeah. And I don't choose them as a client. Reason being, yeah, they're going to blame me for their failures, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Listen, your failures on you, not on me. Correct. So if you are, me- you know, I think that the first thing before we make any changes is a mental change. Yeah. We need that mindset. We need to be able to be aware of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this happen. If you're not ready to do that, you're not ready. So why don't we take certain steps to become ready? And like you said, for for this this client or person that you were talking to, and they said they're going to wait to be ready. You know how many people say to me, oh, I heard about your classes. They're amazing. I got to get in shape first. I'm like, (laughs) oh. 
That's why you want to come to get in shape, not to be in shape, to be in my classes. And they're like, I heard your classes are hard. I said, no, they're not hard. They're at your level. Everyone has their own level. And that's the key. You need to know that. Listen, if somebody's picking up 300 pounds and you can only pick up 35, Mm. then only pick up 35. Right. You cannot do what someone else is doing, you, right. no matter what, even in right. business and, and anything and studying. If somebody can study 10 hours straight and you need to take a break, take a break. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. what's right for you. And I can tell that that's how you train your, your clients. You, you kind of guide them in that, that way. Just like a, a great mom that you are, you guide yeah. your clients, right? Yeah, thank you for that. It is guidance. And I think that the important thing for that person that can only lift 35 pounds and is looking at the guy lifting 300 is just bringing into their awareness, 300 pound guy on his first day was only lifting 35 pounds. Right. So, you know, we we tend to compare ourselves to people that are far ahead of us because they've been doing something longer than we have. And I think it's important to remind our clients that that person has been doing this for two years. But on the first day I talked to them and met with them, they were you. So don't compare yourself to someone that's got, you know, two years of advantage on you. Um, And and again, that is guidance. It's it's just helping people meeting them where they are in that moment. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about eating. Right. Because there's different things that we can focus on. Right. Natural, organic, toxin free products. What is the difference and why should I care? Wow. Boy, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? Um, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest difference is that, um, many products, especially in our grocery store. And I just tell people, try to, if you're going to shop at the grocery store, try to avoid the inner aisles, right? The middle to the outer aisles. Yeah. And even then you still have to be careful. Most, most food products, even canned vegetables, canned fruits, Um, have had chemicals put into them. And these chemicals are designed to make us dependent on consuming more food. So think about it, you know, and and my corporate days were working with consumer packaged goods. So I have a strong understanding of this. (laughs) Yes. Um, The people that are making the Frosted Flakes only make money if people eat more Frosted Flakes right? They don't make money if people eat the same amount of Frosted Flakes. So, so, and it's not just Frosted Flakes. I'm not beating up on Tony the Tiger or anything here, but all of these manufacturers who are making foods are putting chemicals and things into their foods that are making us more dependent on eating more of their foods. And most of the time, those foods are not the most healthy things we can eat. So that to me is the most simplistic way I can explain why it's important to um, try to keep your life toxin free, chemical free, um, as natural and organic as possible. And it is not easy to do. You know, it's really not easy to do. And and so people have to be very aware of what they're doing. It's important to read labels. Um, it's important to shift the way that they're shopping and the way that they're eating. Uh, one of the initiatives I have with one of my groups is not going to, depending on where you live, Target or Walmart in 2022. Can you just stay out of those stores, you know? And we all need groceries, right? But there are alternative sources to to buying groceries. You can find places to buy if you're going to incorporate meat into your diet. You can buy meats from directly from um, local farms and things, so that you're not buying meat that's been processed and sitting in the grocery stores. You can find farmers markets and things to buy your produce from, so you're buying from local farms. So there are a lot of ways to shop for the things that we need um, that don't include going to the grocery store and buying those chemical laden products. The same goes for the products in our household, our cleaning products, um, our personal care products, our soaps, our shampoos, our laundry detergents. Uh, These are all laden with chemicals that are bad for our bodies and bad for the environment. Procter & Gamble just did a recall on 32 hair care products last week because they're, they were finally exposed. It's not that this ingredient just came in. They were finally exposed to have ingredients that cause cancer to people. Mm. And why it took Procter & Gamble this many years to recall those products, I don't know. Right. But these are the things that we're surrounding our bodies with. So we're 
harming our lungs by ingesting the fumes. We're, you know, we're harming our bodies by all of these chemicals and toxins that most food and um, other product manufacturers are not regulated to stop from putting into their products. So we assume when we go in the grocery store that if it's on the shelf, it must be safe, but it's not. So I, I am committed to people understanding those products are not safe. And once you understand that and that there are alternatives to um, the way that you, you know, purchase and bring these things into our homes because they are things that we need, um, then shift helping people make that shift to the alternatives. One of the things that, you know, everything you were talking about, right, reading labels, that's important. The other day. I saw something, right? And it said like healthy, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, right. And because they put healthy, people think and they grab it and they just take it off the shelf because it says the word healthy, it must be good for you. But then what we don't notice is the sodium content. Yes. The sugar content. And that is to me, sodium and salt are the two things. You do need salt in in, in your daily intake. but I rather get it naturally mm-hmm. than have something put in extra. And mm-hmm. even if it says healthy, and you know, you have all these different companies promoting this healthy stuff, but continue to read the label. Don't read just the healthy. That's just yeah. that's just marketing, right? And you know yeah. about that. Yeah. And <laughs> thinking about you have to read all. And then you have to read, you know, if it says um, you know certain amount of sodium it's per serving and then you have to see how big is the serving because the serving may be smaller than what you think it is right right yeah and and a lot of people don't realize that the serving that maybe when they were younger seemed okay mm-hmm. but maybe it wasn't maybe their parents or someone else didn't think about it they just put a ton of food on your plate and said finish it and you have to yeah. finish it or you can't leave the table. Right. And I think that's also a disservice sometimes because we believe we have to finish our full meal, even if we're already full. Right. But we don't feel full when we're eating. Right. We feel full 10 minutes after. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion to my clients is eat half of your meal. Wait a little bit. If you feel hungry, have some more. If not, you're full. Yeah. So it's, it's the amount of food we're consuming that we are not really aware of it. And that's, that's why sometimes some people get what we call food coma because they, they eat and eat all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I'm so full. And it's because they didn't stop at the right time. And you don't realize you're full till way after you've done eating. Right. That is such a great example, Raphael, because people so often eat meals and they're like, oh, they feel terrible 15, 20, 30 minutes after they have to go lie down, they have to take a nap. And it is because of that reason they kept eating until they felt full. That's when they put the last bite in their mouth. And at that point they were over full. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, you brought up the word healthy, which is on a lot of our packaging. The other word that I want people to be cautious of is natural. Oh, yeah. um, because we see natural show up on a lot of products especially clean products. Um, There are some product lines that claim to be natural, uh, but again, there's no regulation there. So natural is another word for people to look out for. Sugar-free, of course. Mm. If it's sugar-free, it's very likely that they're sweetening with um, an artificial sweetener as opposed to a natural sweetener like stevia or monk fruit. So if something is sugar-free, as you said, read that label. Unfortunately, I think labels are difficult for people to comprehend. Usually ingredient labels have 30 things listed and they're 12 syllable words that nobody understands. Um, there are a lot of terms for natural substances that are technical terms. And so they sound like they might be chemicals. I have people do this. Sometimes they'll take a product that I'm suggesting to them and they read um, something on there and they say, oh, but that sounds like a chemical. And so you have to educate people that even natural substances have technical names that sometimes sound a little weird. Right. Um, but I think, you know, just telling people to read ingredient labels is key, but helping them understand how to interpret them too is also very, very important because they can be overwhelming at times. Oh, yeah. uh, and if you're not sure of what you're reading, Google it. We, we have the technology, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me Google it for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. find out what it really means, you know, 
And a lot of people will, here's the thing, right? We all use maps, right? To get to a place. Yeah. And sometimes we use Google maps or we use a different company map or whatever. And the reason we use that is for guidance. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you want to have someone who can guide you like a coach, like Lisa? You want to have Lisa in your corner, right? You want to be able to reach out to you and say, look, I want to live better. I want to have a healthier lifestyle. And some people wait until they have an illness or Mm -hmm. the doctor says, you have to do something different. You are really starting to gain weight. Your, Your health, your numbers are not coming in good. Your blood work is no good. Well, not no good, but this is what's happening. And even then, sometimes we don't know once we go get a full blood work done, we don't know what that means. So this is what we have to find out. We ha- Listen, yeah. we are very interested in what you have to do with your life. Mm-hmm. That's why we're coaches, right? Right, exactly. This is why we have that, that passion to help you along. Yeah. But sometimes we can't do it alone. Right. We need someone. We need someone to say, hey, look, I had my blood work done. What does this all mean? Mm-hmm. And if you can talk to your doctor, do it. If not, mm-hmm. seek someone like like you or me or someone else who can help them understand the levels they're at and where they mm-hmm. can go and the difference in their eating habits compared to their moving habits are, right? So talk to me about when does someone seek your help? Yeah, it's... um Anytime, but um, when, when they, as you said, when somebody wants to make a change and they want to understand what it means to make a change. And I want, as part of this, this uh, topic, Rafael, I want to just go back to something you mentioned just a few minutes ago about talking to their doctor, because I think it's a very common experience when people go for a doctor's visit. Um, Doctors are on a very tight schedule. And most of the time people are kept in a waiting room past their appointment time. Um, When they're called back to an exam room, they're kept waiting in the exam room and maybe they see a nurse or they have vital signs taken. The doctor comes in and I bet everyone who's listening has had their doctor come in and he's hustling and bustling and he's obviously very harried, right? And he, you know, quick, 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 asks them a few questions, checks some things out, makes some notes, fires off something to the nurse and walks out of the room and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so people very frequently don't have the opportunity to talk to their doctors. Their doctors create this persona that's too busy for the patient. And also people are intimidated by the doctor because he's the doctor. Like he went to medical school and he's, you know, they have their doctors on pedestals. And um, I saw this happen quite frequently um, during the last few years of my dad's life because, and as my mom has gotten older, because they go to the doctor appointments and, you know, they get told something. And then I would ask, well, you know, what about this? Why did they say that? Oh, I don't know. I, they didn't have time for me to ask them. And so I started going to appointments with them and I would go to, wait a minute, doctor. And I would start asking a lot of questions. And once you do that, you start to dig deeper. You start to understand more about what they're telling you and why they're telling you, as well as what action to take when you leave there. And so unfortunately, I think many people are in that situation where they're told something, not even necessarily by a doctor, but by someone who doesn't have the time to really help them understand it. And so that's what we're here to do. And so that's what I say to people. If you've been told something or if you somehow think that you need to make a change um, with anything in your life, I'm here to help you understand the implications of that, why it may or may not be a good idea for you to make those changes, what you need to do within your life to incorporate those changes, what it's going to mean to you if you take those changes on successfully. And what kind of support you're going to have as you go down this path, Um, because that's a key part of being a coach, too, is supporting people as they're implementing and incorporating changes in their lives. They get confused. They ask questions. They don't feel right. They, you know, it's snowing so they can't work out or, you know, whatever it is. So so I I loved your um, analogy of maps and guidance. We are here for guidance. And we are here to show people the way to achieve what it is that they want to do um, and help them because we have the time. That's our passion. Our, our passion is to give people our time and our energy to affect a better life. Yeah. I, I love the, the fact of asking questions to the doctor because guess what? They're not cheap. No. Right. 
<laughs> and here's the same thing. So a doctor and a mechanic, you take their word for it. And then you go down the road and your car breaks down. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know what else is up, right? For me, I, I think that a lot of times we can open a manual to a car and see how to change a tire, how to do these things. But we don't have a manual for our health. Right. So what I encourage my clients to do is to start a manual. Yeah. Just for your health. When you go to a doctor visit, when did you go? What was said to you? And the other way we can do that is also by recording mm-hmm. your session. You have a smartphone, put record mm-hmm. when the doctor comes in the room and ask him questions. And they're mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? I'm recording because you talk too fast and right. I want to understand what you're telling me. Right. And so asking the question. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend's grandmother, before she passed, she was in a nursing home and her daughter had a book, a big binder of any time she had a procedure. Anytime mm-hmm. she sat in front of the doctors, she'd have all these notes of what the consultation was about. And that allowed not only if there was a different doctor, she can go back and go, no, this doctor already prescribed this medication. So we need that. Yeah. We need to be our own biggest advocate for our health, right? Absolutely. And, and people don't understand that because they trust, right? We have mm. been raised that we trust the doctor, we trust the mechanic. And, and in most cases, hopefully never in doctors, but um, in most <laughs> cases, we can trust those people. Um, but they don't understand that they need, many people need to have a better and deeper understanding of what they're being told. And that's what's just very, very key. It's also key that you're honest. And when I say honest, I don't think people are trying to be deceptive, but people tend to put on a brave face, right? And I had this experience at a doctor's appointment with my mother where the doctor asked her what the pain level was in her back on a scale of one to 10. And she said, "Uh, I don't know, a three or four. And I was like, oh, no, it's not. I have (laughs) been with you for the last six months and it's at 12. And and she wanted to put on a brave face for the doctor and say, oh, it's not. She's British, right? They put on their (laughs) stiff upper lip and be very stoic. It's not so bad. And I'm like, he can't help you if he doesn't know how bad it is. So especially when you're talking to us as coaches, you know, you don't want someone to come in and tell you, oh yeah, I run five miles a day. If they didn't never get off their couch, I don't want someone to tell me I only eat organic produce and, you know, and if they are, you know, eating pizza every night, we, we, we need in order to be able to effectively help people, we need to have a true understanding of what's going on in their lives at that point in time. And we don't judge. That's what I think is really important for people to understand is we're not judging. Everybody's in a different place and we all have our journeys as to how we got there, as we talked about a little earlier. So it's the important thing is you get to some point in your journey where you want the next road to be a little different and seeking guidance for that means being real honest about the path you've already come down. I've walked out of doctor's appointments when they send their assistant to talk to me yeah and i was like uh no where's the doctor oh you know he'll see you next time i said well then i'll see him next time i said don't count me in as this is a visit because i came to see him yeah and i appreciate you and i'm not disrespecting you but realize it's nothing personal but i i came to see the doctor right not you right right and and that that was just for knee surgery Mm -hmm. this is after my knee surgery the doctor thought he can put pass me off to his PA. I was like, no, yeah. I'm not here for him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not here for you. I apologize. Uh, unless I'm paying the lower rate. <laughs> yeah, right. Which was not. And I, no. you know, and then I got charged. So I called my insurance company and I explained to them. I said, no, I did not stay for my visit. No. And so, <laughs> but we have to be aware of everything right. that's going on with our, it's our life. We have one life, right? Yes. And we have to advocate for ourselves. Every, you are your best advocate. And you, you know, you, it's really important that people feel um, the power of being able to advocate for themselves. Because we, as you say, we've only got one life and we've only got one person that is looking out for our best interests. And that's us. So. Yeah. How passionate are you about what you are doing? Or is this just, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Is it a phase? I, 
There is nothing more important to me than helping everybody live their best lives. Um, I wake up so excited to start my day every day. I wake up thinking about who I can help and how I can help them. Um, I'm reaching out to people a lot to talk to them about how I can help them. And this is, this has become just, it, it is my mission in life. And it has been for a lot of years. Um, you know, I, I touched earlier on the situation when my children were born and, and uh, their father's relationship with me and it wasn't good. And I went through hell on earth um, for about five years. And I'm sorry to hear that. It affected me physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. It affected my health in horrible, horrible ways. And, you know, we all can make choices in life. And my choice coming out of that was not to curl up in a ball and cry and feel sorry for myself. My choice was to make a difference for other people. I went through such a terrible time. I didn't and don't want anyone to go through even a tenth of those terrible things in their lives. And um, at that point was the turning point for me. I made the decision that I am going to make a difference in people's lives. That is my purpose. That's why I'm here on earth. So it's been 22 years now that I've been trying to do this. So I hope it's not a phase. (laughs) It's been a long phase if it is. (laughs) I I know it's not. The only reason I said that is because some people get into this industry and they realize maybe this is not for me. And I've spoken to some of those people and I'm like, you know, at least you realize it, but 22 years, no, that's not a phase for you. That's a passion. And it's, uh, it's evident in in everything we've been talking about. You know, one of the things that, and you brought up that you went through all this stuff with five years of it, but what a lot of people don't see is your kids were right there next to you and they went through it as well. And it's so hurtful to the kids and anyone who's even thinking of divorce. Mm-hmm. Don't divorce your kids. Right. Because divorce, maybe it's necessary. You guys don't meet eye to eye anymore. But when you make it a difficult divorce, I know I went through it myself for many years. And it's the kids who suffer. So we should not divorce the kids. The kids are our passion. I mean, there was a reason they were born, right? They were a gift. Yeah. So let's not divorce the kids. Let's divorce the person, but maybe we don't see eye to eye anymore. Right. Unfortunately for me, that divorce lasted way longer. I think, wow. I would say in the last 2004 is when I got divorced, right? Mm-hmm. I would say in the last two years, it's been peaceful, mm-hmm. which is yeah. terrible. Yeah. The best I can do is be there for my kids, no matter what. and. The important thing is them, right? Yes. Yes. This is why we had him to begin with. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm certain mine would still be going on if he were still living. Mm. So I feel your pain there. (laughs) Um, I also think it's important for us to remember that our children love us, their parents, unconditionally. Both of us. Both of their parents. And there is nothing more damaging and confusing. Well, there's probably something, but one of the most damaging and confusing things we can do for children is to try to pit the child against the other parent or to speak badly about that parent to the child because they've got unconditional love. And they're like, wait a minute, how can you hate someone that I love so much? Like, am I making the wrong choice here? And um, so... That's a whole other topic, oh, but yeah. I think that's an important one for single parents. Um, anyone going through, you know, a, a divorce with children to remember is that they love both of you unconditionally, no matter how you feel about that other person. Right, right. When we think about kids, right, nutrition for our kids, creating a lifestyle, because when my kids were young, they didn't know what soda tasted like at all. Mm-mm. They didn't know what fast food was at all. The only reason my kids ever found out fast food is because they went with their friends, Mm -hmm. not because I took them. Yeah. I wouldn't take them. They're like, hey, look at the golden arches. I'm like, that's a nice building. We're not going there. You know, (laughs) I I want a crown like that king guy. Like, yeah, "Yeah, that's nice. You're not getting that. 
<laughs> I, want, I want a happy meal. I'm like, I'm going to give you the happiest meal. And here's yeah, the funny thing. You're going to be so happy. Yes. Yeah. I had a conversation with my son. He's 20. My other son is 17. And the other day he goes, dad, he goes, I loved it when you, they don't live with me. So he goes, you know, and, and they were, they were coming to come visit me. He goes, dad, remember those meals you made? He goes, I still think about them all the time. The best, the food, the flavor, everything was so good. He goes, maybe we can have that when you come over, when I come over. And I'm like, absolutely. And so for him to remember the meals that we shared. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, hey, dad, remember when we went to the fast food place? It was none of that. It was always like the food I made them. And it was special because here's the thing. I didn't just cook for my kids. I got them involved. Help me do this. I'll, you guys cut this out. You do, you do this. And even I would have them say, okay, now you put it in the stove. Now you do this. Let's put the timer on. Let's do these things. Right. So I involved them in the healthy eating, how to make right. food. And the difference it is, you know, to make a difference, right? Yeah. And our children, especially when they're younger, they want to spend time with us more than anything in the world. That's And so even if that time is, you know, cutting vegetables or mm-hmm. chucking corn or whatever it is, that's, it, that's quality time to them and for us. Um, so I think that that's a great way to do it is to involve them. Um, you made me think of a really funny story, too, when my daughter was, I guess, almost six years old. We were driving down the road and she became aware of a McDonald's on the road. Mom, look, it's the Play-Doh store. <laughs> and the reason she said it's the Play-Doh store is because someone at a birthday party when she was four or five had given her a Play-Doh kit that was a McDonald's restaurant and you made, you know, hamburgers and French fries out of Play-Doh. And she had played with this Play-Doh kit, having no idea what it was. So when she saw the actual McDonald's, she thought it was the Play-Doh store. Oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. And that's what all the kids should think, right? It's the Play-Doh store. And it is lifestyle. You know, we all have these very busy lifestyles right now. And so we many people are feeding their children foods of convenience and um, foods of convenience are exactly the foods that are not good for them to be eating. Well, I had a client many years ago who I didn't know it. Right. This woman lost 60 pounds and she was not my fitness client. She was more like she did one of my classes on her own. Right. You know, I didn't even teach her classes sometimes. She, I had other instructors and she lost 60 pounds on her own. Right. Later on, her daughter started coming in and sitting in the lobby and watching her mom do classes. Her daughter's this little skinny girl and great, but she would walk in with a McDonald's meal. Okay. Every single time. So we found out this little girl ate McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, oh my goodness, and dinner every day. Unbelievable. Every day. Now, the mom who is going through this transformation didn't realize what she was doing to her own daughter because in a way she was being selfish. She didn't cook and she fed her daughter what was most convenient. Mm-hmm. And it's such a shame to have seen that. And that woman is no longer with us. And I don't know whatever happened to that kid. Is that kid yeah. thin still? Is that kid in shape? Is that kid working out? Or is that kid overweight? Right. Because if you continue to feed that type of, or eat that type of food, what's going to happen to you? Right. right. It's all processed. It's all fried or deep fried or who knows what. Right. Yes. Yes. Regarding that story, it's very interesting because unfortunately for that child, she was being taught, um, these are where our eating habits are instilled, Mm. right? Is when we're very young, we're taught our eating habits. And so that became her eating habit, one of convenience. And again, uh, those foods, fast foods in general are loaded with chemicals Mm -hmm. that are causing us to want more and need more. And so it just becomes kind of a rolling stone that feeds itself on and on and on. And then what's going to happen to her children? Yes. 
And she'll do the same. And, and so for your client that was undergoing the transformation, obviously she wouldn't have intentionally been making this bad choice for her child. She wouldn't have intentionally been instilling these very bad eating habits in her child. But as I said earlier, when something is on the shelf, we assume it's safe. When something is readily available, like McDonald's and other fast food is, we assume it's safe. When things are advertised on the television, we assume they're safe Mm -hmm. and they're not. (laughs) They're just not. And so, you know, we we're making choices um, based on misinformation and being misled. And it is, you know, one of my passions is to help people understand the true information and, and dig a little deeper into what it is that we're putting in on and around our bodies every day. Yeah, it it affects everything. There, yeah. there was a study in uh, in China. There was we're not understanding why so many um, young people were coming up with heart attacks, high blood pressure, all these different diseases when there was not that many. And they did a study, and it wound up being that the people who lived off the land were healthy. Yeah, it's the inner city people who were living and eating fast food, processed foods, all these things, they were the ones with all the medical conditions, mm-hmm. the heart attacks, high blood pressure, you know, yeah. all these different things. They started smoking, all these different things that people who lived off the land didn't suffer. Right. And it was because they were eating, if they were eating meat, they were eating it off the land. There was, there was no preservatives or anything put into it right and now these people were buying their food in supermarkets yes and that's the huge difference so you you spoke about it earlier if you can buy your products at a a farm stand or something like that a meat market something where it's going to be a little bit more natural then it yes it's going to cost more Mm -hmm. it is there's no doubt but is your life worth more? Yeah. yeah. So I rather spend more money on my food than on my medical bills. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. It may cost more today, but in the long run, when you're not paying assisted living and long-term medical care and all these other things, it, it will cost less. And, you know, I was, I was chatting with somebody about this the other day because I reflect back on 10, 20 years ago where Keeping up with the Joneses meant, um, you know, that you had the fanciest food and you ate in fancy restaurants and you had nice cars and you had, you know, all these other things that made you look like you were wealthy. But we've seen a real shift in the last few years. Keeping up with the Joneses now is who are the people that raise their own chickens and have fresh eggs and have a, a, a garden out back with organic vegetables and they're, you know, homesteading or living off the land. And that's become a real initiative for a lot of people in a lot of parts of the country. So I think it's really interesting that we've taken this turn to something that is more becoming more self-reliant. And, you know, certainly as we deal with supply chain issues and empty shelves in grocery stores, right. in addition to the very damaging products themselves that are available to us there, people will continue to, um, you know, go in this direction where they're taking the initiative to be responsible for them, what, what they do on their own. Right. Well, you know, what happens to the, what happened to those old Joneses, they all have emphysema, heart attacks, and they're all gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not really all of them, but too many of them. And what happened, and you said, If you follow people because it looks like they're living the lifestyle that you think you want to live, Mm -hmm. stop. Live the lifestyle that you were meant to live, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. Lisa, thank you so much for today. I have learned so much from you. And you are, this is not a phase for you. I know it. I was just tricking you into that because so many people are in a phase in their lives. And yes. we all do go through different phases, right? So mm-hmm. we do, we should be evolving, right? And I think your evolution is going to just be better than what you were yesterday. Right. And, you know, even learning, and I'm sure you're constantly learning on what goes on with our foods and our health, health and our lifestyles. So I encourage everyone to follow you, to reach out to you. And how can they reach out to you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm on social media, so you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, People can certainly send me a message, send me a friend request, follow me on either of those forums. Um, My, uh, you can get me on Linktree, Lisa McKenzie Live on Linktree, and there people can connect with me for. Mm -hmm. I always do a 20 minute call with people if they'd like to hear a little bit more about what's going on for them, help them um, understand what options are available to them, and then there are links within there for other other resources of the things that we've talked about today. So I'm happy to share that with people. Um, we also have a Facebook group. So if people connect with me on Facebook, I can bring them into our group and help them learn a little bit more there as well. Nice, nice. Lots of ways to connect. And that's it, right? Yes. Connections. Yes. That's Absolutely. that's what makes it so much fun. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, as you say, about people who um, passion versus phase. Um, there are people who kind of move from one thing to another. and it's okay to do that as long as people are following their purpose, I find. So I always suggest to people, get real clear on mm. what your purpose is. Why are you put on this earth? What is it that you're meant to do? What do you want people to say when you're no longer with us? And then there are lots of ways to fill out that purpose. So um, getting getting down to that purpose is really key for people. It sure is. It sure is. Well, thank you again. This was a pleasure. Absolutely. And let's stay connected, right? Sounds great. It was really great talking with you. I appreciate you having me here today. All right. You have an amazing day. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Thank you and I really appreciate your help.